with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. On today's show, digital technologies are in the spotlight at the China Trade and Services Fair in Beijing, and we will also take a look at what could AI mean for the labor market. And now, let's begin with our top story. Digital technologies, represented by the Internet of Things, robotics, and artificial intelligence, are a bright spot at this year's China International Fair for Trade and Services in Beijing. Twenty-seven significant advancements in technology and smart devices have debuted at the fair. Analysts say that the vast blue ocean of China's digitalization drive has provided huge market potential globally. The country's digital economy exceeded 50 trillion yuan, or nearly 7 trillion U.S. dollars, in the year 2022, accounting for 41 percent of the total GDP. And China currently has over 4,000 enterprises in the AI industry. So, for more on this, joined us on the line now are Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Nov. Archi Technologies, and also Anna Tangen, senior fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, Jiahe, first of all, we have been seeing an increasing focus on the new and innovative technologies in recent years. So, how do you think is this playing a role in empowering China's industrial development? Well, I think it's been doing a lot of things. I mean, I mean, look at our own uh, economic history in the past、uh, few hundred years of the human being.、Uh, we developed because we let machines and robots and AI programs to do jobs that we don't have to do ourselves. So, so it's it's kind of people employed so many things, so our economic status became rich. You know,、uh, I have seen data saying that uh, uh, the living standard that the white collar、uh, people living in today's modern world is about.、Um, Well, a staff owner of 400 people back like 500 years ago. So, for example,、uh, if you look at many years ago, it's it's very difficult for you to get um、uh, almost anything. I mean, you have to boil the water by yourself. But now you just、uh, need a kettle, then that then the job is done. So nowadays,、uh, with the new employment of of all these robots and AI technology. Our efficiency of working at almost all aspects has been significantly improved. For example,、uh, take agriculture industry. For example,、uh, previously we have to use, you know, the the human beings to pick up many fruits, especially those fruits that are. Quite fragile. For example, the strawberry you have to pick it up、uh, by your own hand, and that's why we see the strawberry's price is so expensive. But nowadays, with the robots and AI image taking,、um, they can be very easily taken off the strawberry from from its plants. So the price started to drop if these robots are well employed. So you can see that robots is really important in our economic life to increase the efficiency.、Mm-hmm. And Anna, so what do you think is this、uh, playing a role in you know China's in Industrial development. Well, I think it's very important from the perspective of、uh, maintaining China's position as a world manufacturing hub. As、uh, you know, wages increase and China's wages are significantly higher、uh, versus other countries, especially in ASEAN,、uh, India, etc.、Um, robots are really the way to、uh, maintain production at very good costs.、Um, a robot can literally be 
uh, working uh, on average 23 hours a day. Uh, it doesn't need a, a break or anything like that. It just needs maintenance. So this is really, really important. And, and China has really leapt ahead, especially on robotics. Um, and these are really pushing um, productivity. Uh, for Chinese firms, and also, as I said, positioning it uh, well into the future as a manufacturing hub. Mm -hmm. And Jiahe, so China is the fastest growing robot market in the world. So what do you think are the main factors for the rapid development of the industrial robots in China? Well, there are multiple reasons. I mean, th this is a phenomenon of the whole society. So you can't say, uh, you know, anyone who is a uh, hundred uh, percent contributing to all this. But you can see the, the factors actually working from all aspects. The government has been putting a lot of emphasis on the development of high technology, um, AI programming, robots, all these kind of things, especially the robot, as you mentioned. Uh, so the government has been leading it, uh, cutting taxes toward it. I think last night we have just got the latest uh, tax alleviation of high technology companies in China, reducing some uh, some of their taxes. So you can see all the things that the government has been doing, that, that's on one aspect. Uh, another thing is that Chinese uh, economy is, is now developing to the status that we are, uh, as Ayana just mentioned, our per capita GDP is now about, I, I think it's about five times of, uh, four or five times of India or Vietnam. I mean, Vietnam is working at about two to three thousand US dollar per capita, but we are working at about 13,000 USD per capita. So the cost of our labor or say the salary earned by people is actually much higher. So employing uh, robots in these countries nowadays, you know, more efficient than employing like robots in India because you can find much cheaper labor over there. So that's also another reason. I mean, entrepre entrepreneurs are, are all keen to employ the robots in order to increase the efficiency. Uh, that's another reason. Uh, another reason is that China has a, such a large amount of university graduates, engineers, people like that. I mean, if you look at the amount of Chinese uh, graduates uh, of, uh, compared to the world, it's, it's, a, it's a large amount. And one important thing is that everybody knows that Chinese people are good at math. So, so we have probably the best engineers uh, all over the world. You know, if you go to the Silicon Valley in the U.S., you can see uh, many Chinese faces in the in, you know in in the high tech companies. Mm -hmm. So Chinese people are good at math and they are good at programming, engineering, all these kind of things. So, so we build all these kind of robots. So that's also another reason we want to look at. Well, China's actually been uh, on top for the last 10 years. And what it is, is uh, China's reacting to higher wage rights and the dis uh, need to stay competitive in the global supply chain. Robots uh, allow you to do that. They can do repetitive tasks for longer. You don't have to worry about higher wages. They're safety, uh, much safer than using people, especially in um, very complex areas like welding and lifting and things like this. Mm -hmm. And Aina, so robots are deeply integrated with the new generation of uh, IT or information technology and also with enhanced automation. So what are some of these main fields of applications? Agricultural, automotive, logistics, uh, you know, everything from VR driving to VR bartenders, uh, even, uh, medical robots, uh, a lot of uh, advances in terms of integrating sensors into real-time uh, um, feedback loops, which really, really hope, uh, help uh, companies decide uh, not only uh, what, how they're uh, working, but also uh, cut costs tremendously, uh, have better supply uh, and communication lines with their suppliers and their customers at the other end. Uh, solar has been uh, benefiting tremendously from this because you can use these sensors and also um, robotic um, 
tenders uh, to keep these solar panels clean. Remember, they have to be maintained. So it's much better to have a robot that can work 23 hours than a human being who can only work during the day. Uh, sports uh, and services are out um, are growing uh, tremendously. So almost across the entire spectrum, you're starting to see the impact of uh, robotics and AI. Mm -hmm. So Jiahe service robots and special robots are used in many, many different scenarios. Could you give us some examples? Well, I have personally seen all these examples myself, you know. Uh, nowadays, if you if you actually stay in almost, um, well, I think about 50% of the uh, high-end hotels of, of China, and you can see the robots running on the street. Uh, currently, I'm in a hotel in Shanghai. I came to Shanghai just about a week ago, uh, and, and there's a robot in my hotel. Okay, so, so what the robot actually do is that, well, I use this little example because I have seen so much of these small little robots in my life. Mm. Uh, most of the hotels in China, you know, we have high buildings. It's, it's not like Europe. Uh, most of the hotels are like 10 floors or 20 floors high. So, you know, the, the guests would order quite a lot of deliveries, for example, the, the food at night, the medicine, uh, you know, I buy some books, these kind of things. So the delivery uh, guy will, will take it to, to, the, to the ground floor. In the old days, he either have to climb up to the, you know, 15th floor where I'm staying, or I have just to go down to pick it up. Mm -hmm. But now there is a robot staying right in front of the gate. And he just uh, press the number of my room into um, the screen uh, and the, and put the book in or the or the food into the, the box of the robot. And the robot will go to the lift and you know press the lift button itself as well. Not really pressing, but you know there is a program connected through Bluetooth, <laughs> and and that robot will come to my door and knock on the door. Uh, well, it's actually a, not unlocking, but but kind of a loud noise outside of my, my door saying that you should open and get your uh, delivery. So that that's a robot that actually saves the job of of one person to take um, up or down all these things that the guest has ordered. And if you think there is about 100 to 200 people in a hotel, and, and everyone orders like one to two things a day. So that that's, uh, you know, this robot has to run about three to 400 rounds uh, every day. And if that every round takes about like two or three minutes, that means the job of one person. But if you employ a person in Shanghai, it costs you like 8,000 yuan per month or at least 6,000 yuan a month. Uh, and that's much higher cost compared with the robots. So that's a very small example. You see this kind of robot everywhere in the hotel in China. Mm, and this is a very good example. So Aina, so has China's robotic sector formed a complete industrial or supply chain? Or what are the gaps and weak points in the industrial chain of China's robotic sector? Well, at, the, at this juncture, especially in uh, areas like agriculture and the services and things like that, China has formed a complete um, a supply chain. Uh, other uh, entities like um, uh, foreign competitors, especially from Europe and America, uh, used to have a lot of the software and things like that, but uh, that has changed dramatically. Uh, if you start looking at the number of robots that are being uh, created in China, you'll see it's gone up dramatically, literally uh, doubled. It used to be um, just a few percentage points. Now uh, it's uh, almost uh, one third of the total installed base. And remember, uh, China is a country that has taken half of all the installed robots worldwide. 
So it gives you an idea of just how serious uh, they are. But I, I wanted to, to uh, pick up on Jahar's uh, example. Um, if you employ one employee, that covers one shift. So you'll have to have at least two employees in order to cover the one shift of the robot. So uh, literally that's 12,000 in two months. Uh, you've exceeded the cost of the uh, robot itself. And the robot is, is tireless. It, it continues going up and down and it's not just outside deliveries, you know, towels, uh, food from inside. Uh, also robotic chefs. Imagine um, a lot of the cost of room service is because they have to have special uh, people on call all the time. But a robot on call costs you really nothing. And actually, it's uh, it's less expensive. So that brings down the cost of room service, which increases the amount of profit that these hotels can make. So these these are just small examples, but they give you a real idea of just how much it changes things, uh, uh, both uh, for the consumer, uh, but also for the supplier. Mm-hmm. And Ina, so you mentioned the uh, AI development in the development of the robotics. So how would you describe the picture of AI research and development worldwide? And what advantages does China have in the realm of uh, artificial intelligence? Um, very uh, simply, uh, it is about data. Um, all of these large language models, all of these learning models, machine learning, whatever, you need to crunch a tremendous amount of data. The more data you have, the, the more points that you data points you have, uh, the better your data mining, uh, the more accurate your uh, results are going to be. So if you're trying to figure out trends, uh, the more data you have, the better you are. So mm-hmm. China with 1.4 billion uh, people, and more importantly, a huge middle class that is making decisions uh, literally on a second-by-second basis, having real-time information in terms of how people feel uh, about products and services, how much they're willing to spend. This is absolutely golden. Um, you know, responses to uh, technology, etc. These are the types of things that uh, make data scientists, you know, literally happy <laughs> beyond belief. Uh, other countries just don't have uh, that large base. Um, and as a result, uh, it's, it's going to take them longer. Uh, in terms of the actual crunch, crunching power, China has a huge number of uh, mathematicians and also programmers, and they're in a position to create the algorithms that are necessary to uh, drive and crunch all this uh, information. Mm-hmm. And Jiahe, so Chinese companies have invested very heavily in AI development and software following the release of the OpenAI's ChatGPT. So why are there so many Chinese peoples working on it? I think there are many reasons. I mean, first is that ChatGPT has been, you know, uh, causing this kind of a reaction from the business world and the investment world. If if you know that um, in the capital market that I'm invested in, uh, some of the stocks even rose by like 100 to 200 uh, percent this year after the ChatGPT was uh, coming out. That people believed that probably we can have our own. That was that was a small bubble. So I sold some of the, my stocks uh, during that process. But you can see how. Uh, how enthusiastic people were about the ChatGPT. Uh, another reason is that, um, well, I, I just mentioned.
mentioned mathematics uh, because Chinese people are quite good at math. Uh, so they were able to build these engineering things. But there is another reason behind this is because China has been putting a lot of emphasis on the English education in the past tens of years. So the Chinese people are also very good at programming. Uh, so all these things came out, Chinese businessmen realized that, you know, the technology would be able to make them outpace their competitors in and outside of China. Uh, and also because the country is now developing to this uh, status that we are at this, uh, you know, 13,000 US dollar uh, per capita. So keep on uh, rising our productivity cannot be simply relying upon uh, buying some uh, traditional, uh, you know, ma manufacturing lines and stuff like that. I mean, remember that back in uh, 50s or 1960s, the per capita GDP of the U.S. was about 10,000 U.S. dollar back then. I mean, back like 50 years ago. So if we still use the traditional things, we can't grow to a very uh, high standard. Uh, but if you compare the U.S. GDP with uh, U.S. per capita GDP with uh, countries like UK or France or Germany is slightly higher, it's about 20 to 30% uh, higher in the United States. Uh, that's because the US has been picking pretty well with information technology, AI, uh, robots, this kind of thing. So China is coming upwards and China is picking up too. Mm. While well, we're speaking with Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novim Archi Technologies, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at Taihe Institute. And after a short break, we'll take a look at what could AI mean for the labor market. Stay with us. D-Dine, a podcast of CGTN Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. I am Dan Wang, Chief Economist of Hang Seng Bank, China. The World Today is a real fun program. You will hear interesting people discussing global trend, economic event, what's happening in and outside of China. So, friends around the world, hope you can join us. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. During the next five years, 75% of organizations are expected to adopt artificial intelligence into their practices. The World Economic Forum suggests a job loss rate of 25% directly related to AI adoption. So, Aina, first of all, AI is described as a double-edged sword. So how would you evaluate the significance of the AI revolution we are seeing today? And how is it different from the previous technological uh, revolution? Well, there's a couple of unique things about uh, AI in terms of um, things. There, there's that side, like, um, for instance, weeding and picking fruits and things like that, highly repetitive tax, uh, tasks that robots can do much better than humans. I mean, literally the robot can uh, judge whether a fruit is ripe or not. And it doesn't have to just go through a field and pick once. It can pick individually and then go back over that field again and make sure that it gets the fruit that when it's the best. So this results in uh, higher quality, uh, less repetitive tasks, and this will have an impact on people who um, don't have a lot of skills who are used in those areas before. But on the other side, on the white 
white-collar side, you're going to see a dramatic uh, in, uh, increase in um, AI taking over a lot of information collection duties. Uh, for instance, uh, with lawyers uh, checking briefs, um, with uh, accountants keeping uh, the figures. Uh, so just think so much time is spent just tracking down the numbers and associating them uh, with particular activities so that you know, you know what is happening um, in terms of your taxes. Uh, if government services uh, change dramatically. So that is going to be uh, one of the biggest impacts that at the lower end, the less productive areas of society are going to be um, deeply affected. But that frees up people for more productive um, work. And part of that work is going to have to be related to training. Um, mm. The country that prepares its workforce for the future is going to win the future. And this is going to be one of the recurring themes uh, that goes forward. Uh, already, you're starting to see a lot of activity in, in within China talking about uh, changing uh, the way that what people are learning uh, and uh, into areas where it's going to be much more productive. So, Jiahe, what do you think? What could AI mean for the labor market? Well, AI is actually a, well, a kind of new tool for the for the labor market. I mean, if you look at the, the human development history, we started with nothing, okay? We started with our own bare hands, and then we employed more and more things. Uh, we, we had houses to take us around. We, has, we have things to, you know, to do all the jobs for us, and then we have machines, and later on we have AI nowadays. And AI is quite critical uh, to increase our productivity in many scales that we can uh, you know, never imagined before, and it's it's so um, interesting. It's actually opened a new door because if you look at the past, we had the the industries and the machines, these kind of things. Uh, once in a while, we thought this was a ceiling of our productivity, you know, because we have these uh, you know uh, production uh, production lines that can produce things at a very low cost, uh, at a very uh, high speed. Uh, so we thought this is probably uh, the ceiling of our development. And then now came a, it came to the AI that can think partly like where we, uh, we are, like we, uh, humans are doing and make discretionary uh, decisions like what humans can do, not what machines can do. And this became really, really um, useful. I have actually saw a very interesting example of an AI. I mean, there are so many examples of AI, but let me just bring this out uh, mm. as a small story, you know. Uh, I heard that there is a programming guy at, at the computer center somewhere, uh, and he actually uh, got a pretty large cottage in a garden, and his cat actually goes out every day and, and came back. Uh, so he actually left a small hole on his door for, for his cat. Um, but that, that came to be a problem that the cats from all over the places started to come to his house. So he can't do that. Um, uh, but he still wants his own cat to come in and out. So he so he wrote an AI program to, to do the face uh, face recognition of, of his own cat. So, so it's actually the faces are different uh, from people to people. We, we now have facial recognition in our own mobile phones and uh, stuff like that. But there are facial differences uh, between cats too. So he actually wrote that program. So his door only opens for his own cat. So that's a very small example for the AI. Previously, we had the machine. Okay, when you came to the door and the machine detects there's a people, it will open the door. But it can't, it can't do the facial thing. It can't 
can't recognize who is who. But AI stuff, stuff like that can can do the job. And if you employ this technology to things like uh, you know finding the criminals, that that can actually to to be a very useful thing. I mean, same thing happens with the facial recognition. Is that in the past, for example, there, there is a, a probability that a criminal runs across a camera, and that's a 400-hour camera recording over there. So the policeman has to sit in front of the computer to to watch all this camera, try to figure out uh, the, when the criminal is a criminal is passing for 400 hours. That that's really a cost costing thing for the policeman. If you talk to the policeman, uh, he will tell you that he has been doing this. It, it's like staring at the screen and making yourself feeling blind. But nowadays, just uh, the AI can do the job, and it's actually more efficient than the human beings. <laughs> so you can see AI is actually doing all these you know very detailed jobs that we can never imagine before in the industrial age. Mm-hmm. But Anna, so when we talk about the regulations of AI, so what should be the regulatory focus? Do you think? Well, you know, uh, all the things that were just mentioned, Rajahar, are also uh, problems. Um, if you have thieves out there um, who are trying to think of novel ways to get at people, uh, they now have uh, better targeting uh, means, and also they can avoid uh, <clears throat> use artificial uh, voice enhancement to make it think seem like you're talking to somebody. Uh, they can have chatbots that are you know constantly sending you phishing. Um, emails or uh, communications to try to draw you into something. Um, So that obviously has to be regulated as well. Uh, Then there's this information issue. Uh, Right now, it's very hard to tell on the internet what is real and not real. You can have fake videos, fake voices. Um, You just really can't trust anything. So I I think uh, the industry is going towards what they call a water marking scheme where information when it's generated uh, especially if it's connected to um, something like a a blockchain can be watermarked so that you know either that this is the original information or it's watermarked so that uh, entities know that this is artificially generated information very very important not only to uh, human beings but also to ai itself Uh, this uh, problem if Entities are creating information, putting it into the internet, and then trying to uh, make further uh, inquiries. What happens is the AIs go crazy. They start feeding on their own information, generating new information, putting that into the internet. This um, magnifies any kind of bias within the program, and as a result, uh, as I said, literally the program goes crazy and starts uh, saying very, very odd things in response to logical questions. Um, but I, would, I just wanted to uh, emphasize a couple of points in terms of productivity. Uh, John Harris has indicated this is really important and this is going to be one of the measuring grounds of uh, economies going forward and also the basis by which um, China can overcome this kind of middle income trap that many other countries didn't. They didn't have the investment in technology. They couldn't get ahead of the curve. And obviously, China is, you know, you look at everything from Huawei uh, with their new phone, which was over to overcome tremendous obstacles thrown up in its in its way by the U.S. in terms of, you know, access to chips and access to chip making equipment. So these are the types of things which uh, will really propel things along and, you know, how AI is really helping uh, China's economy. 
Well, while speaking with Ina Tangen, senior fellow at the Taihe Institute and also Chen Jiahe, chief investment officer at Novemarkey Technologies. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.